calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here, in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Yesterday at Smirconish.com, heavy voting, 25,990 votes cast on our poll question of the day. Will having to pay $787.5 million in settlement cause Fox to change the way it does business? 83.7% saying no, the remainder saying yes. Today's poll question, should cash bail, allowing a person arrested to pay money for release before trial, should that be eliminated? What exactly is cash bail? It's all over the news, but let's break it down with an expert. That would be Jocelyn Simonson, professor of law and associate dean for research and scholarship at the Brooklyn Law School, author of the forthcoming book. It'll be released in August, Radical Acts of Justice, How Ordinary People Are Dismantling Mass Incarceration. Professor, thank you so much for your time. The basics, if you don't mind, what exactly is cash bail? Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Sure. Um, so ca- cash bail or money bail um, varies slightly in every state uh, and in federal court. But in theory, it's a mechanism of release. When someone has been arrested and charged with a crime, uh, they uh, a specific amount of money, if they pay it, they're released from custody. Uh, and the money, in theory, serves as a guarantee that they're going to come back to court and not get rearrested while their case is pending. So that's what money bail in theory is, a mechanism of relief. Um, In practice, it also is a way of holding many people in jail, sometimes for years, while their case is pending and while they're still presumed innocent. So in the U.S., go ahead. Who decides? Who decides the amount of bail? Well, again, it's going to depend on where you are. Um, but it's supposed to be a neutral person, either a magistrate or a judge. Sometimes it happens in a police station house, and often it happens in a courthouse when someone is first charged. And what's the purpose? What's the intent? I, I know that you have strong concerns about it, but the idea behind it is what? The idea behind it is that if someone pays a certain amount of money, say $5,000, um, if they don't and then they're released, if they don't come back to court or if they do get rearrested, they're at risk of losing that money. So in theory, that money is supposed to be an incentive for someone to come back to court 
um, to come to trial if there is one and to not be rearrested in the interim. That's the idea. To ensure one's return. Correct. Are there crimes? Again, I told you we were going to do the the BLT version, bacon, lettuce and tomato. Are there crimes for which cash bail is not available? Yes. And it's going to depend on what jurisdiction you're in. Um, In some places, if you're charged with homicide, um, for example, you're not eligible for cash bail. Um, In New York State, where I am, um, there's actually a right to have cash bail set unless you're charged with a homicide. So there are some charges for which just legally there's no opportunity. There are also many charges for which in practice money bail is always going to be set. I should add that it depends where you are. So some states, New Jersey, for example, don't use money bail anymore. So there's no one uniform practice and there's no one set of rules. Um, it varies state by state and sometimes even city or county by city or county. So, so if not money bail, then what is the, the means of ensuring return or is there none? There are plenty of other means. Um, you know, studies have shown that even just a phone call to remind somebody they need to come back to court is a way often to ensure that somebody does come back to court. When we look at rates of people who don't return to court, um, it's not that people are on the lam and leaving the state so that they don't have to face charges. Often it's that um, their case has been going on for months or years and they have mistakenly missed the court date. So reminders, uh, <clears throat> transportation costs, things like that can help people come back to court. Um, and the, so the alternative is to release people um, with a range of uh, no supervisory mechanisms to having them be on, say, supervised release while their case is pending. Um, some states are also turning toward a different system where instead of whether you're free or not free, depending on how much money you have and whether you're poor or whether you're not poor, um, a judge might make a determination to hold somebody in jail in a cage pending trial with no opportunity for money bail. Professor so money Simon, bail or not money bail on its own doesn't necessarily determine whether someone's in jail, but it is a way of causing poor people to be in jail more often than people without money. I, I understand. By the way, thank you for laying it out just as you're doing. This is Jocelyn Simonson, a professor of law and associate dean for research and scholarship at the Brooklyn Law School. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So I understand based on your description that this depends jurisdiction by jurisdiction, state by state, exactly what the law might be as it relates to cash or money bail. But within a particular state or jurisdiction, is it left, the amount, is it left to the discretion of a particular judge? Yes, most often that is how it works. Sometimes judges have guidelines that they're supposed to follow. Sometimes they have limits that they need to look at. Often they have a series of factors they're required uh, to consider, um, but it is left up to judicial discretion. I should that, add, though, that the first the first person who requests bail is a prosecutor. Um, so it's also up to a prosecutor to decide whether or not to request bail. Is that discretion or are those guidelines predicated on the person who is caught in the clutches of the law, the, the person being charged, the, the soon-to-be defendant? Is it based on their record previously or solely based on the crime for which they're now being charged? In most places, it is both and also other things like the individual circumstances that the person has. If they have a job and a family and steady housing, then studies show they're going to come back to court. So, in other words, it's it's not just ensuring this is an important point that I want to get straight in my mind and the minds of the listeners. It's not just ensuring the return of the person who's now being charged. There's also some concern as to recidivism. This is a person who's broken the law many times before. Therefore, we ought to not only make sure they're going to come back, but keep them off the street. Right. Sometimes that's literally written into the laws. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a consideration that you hear people talk about, even if it's not literally written into the laws. So why is this so um, much in the, the news now? Why why is cash or money bail so much dominating our headlines today? What has happened? Well, what's happened is that there's a series of misconceptions that have taken hold. Um, some people are claiming, for instance, in my home state of New York, the governor had been claiming that bail reform or efforts to release more people pre-trial had led to a rise in crime rates. It's actually not true. So statistics in New York do not show that. And our governor has, in fact, stopped saying so once it was pointed out by the researchers themselves that she was incorrect. But it's become part of the rhetoric, a political rhetoric to connect cash bail to crime rates, which often aren't rising as people say they are. But it depends where you are. But there's no statistical correlation between releasing people pretrial. And in fact, there are statistics that show that if you hold someone in jail for as little as three days, they are more likely to be arrested in the future because they lose their housing, they lose their jobs, they lose their family connections. It's harder to communicate with their attorneys. 
So if someone is concerned about someone being arrested in the future, studies show that releasing them right away might actually be the best way to ensure that doesn't happen. I'm looking at a headline from within the last 24 hours. I guess this is to the point you were just making. It's billed as an exclusive at the Daily Mail. It says suspected felons have walked free in half of cases since Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan D.A., took office double the rate of 2018 as New York's lax bail laws allow city's worst criminals to roam the streets. Now, this doesn't make the point. This doesn't make the point that crime is rising because these individuals are on the streets, but it makes the point that that more individuals are on the streets than otherwise would have. And a lot of them have rap sheets. Right. And so that's exactly what you said. If you read that headline, it actually doesn't follow up to say. And therefore, once those people have been released and given stable housing, they are less likely to be rearrested in the future. So it doesn't follow up to explain why that might be the case that more people are released without money bail. Is it fair to it's no longer possible to make a claim because it's just not true that there's any relationship between that and uh, future uh, conduct that might be violent or harmful. Is it fair to say to characterize this discussion over cash bail or money bail as one where we're weighing harms, the the potential harm to a defendant versus the potential risk of harm to a society. Is that a fair way to try and explain this d- discussion or debate? I think it's part of it. Um, you know, the purpose of money bail, the first one is supposed to be to make sure somebody comes back to court. Um, but I do think that what you say is a way that people are thinking about it right now. And so that's where some of the misconceptions come in about what it means to be released. And even that headline sneaks into it that they're suspected, right? So somebody has been charged, but they're still presumed innocent. And there's been no finding that they've done anything wrong because we have a system of criminal courts where you're supposed to uh, uh, have a trial and it has to be proved that you did something wrong. But I think that calculus is fair uh, to describe it. And I think it explains some of the rhetoric misconceptions and misstatements about how people are thinking about bail reform and money bail. Is there an argument to be made, in your opinion, a constitutional argument, maybe that nobody should be held until they're actually convicted? I think there's absolutely a moral and common sense argument to be made. Our Constitution doesn't say that, though. Um, The Constitution says that there cannot be excessive bail. So there is a constitutional argument to be made that you should not be held in jail just because of your poverty. And some uh, places are starting to recognize that idea, that we shouldn't have a system where two different people are charged with the same crime, and one of them is free pending trial and the other one is in jail pending trial with the same amount of bail set because one of them has money and one of them doesn't have money. There's a constitutional argument that that is not fair. I'm sorry if I'm catching you cold with this question, but how do other countries handle the same issue? Well, other countries are nothing like the United States when it comes to their scope of criminalization more broadly. So we have to understand that we incarcerate more people per capita than any other democracy in the world. We have 450,000 people sitting in jail having not been found guilty of anything right now. There is no democracy in the world that does anything close to that. And many of them have no equivalent to money bail. But is that 
Oh, okay. You just answered it. They don't have an equivalent. Yeah. So if I if 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 I were arrested in the UK, if I were arrested in Canada, if I were arrested in Mexico or any other nation you're familiar with, what's the model? Uh, so some of those countries do have money bail, but most of them have a presumption, which we only have in a few places, that you shouldn't be held just because you can't pay your money bail. So there's a difference between saying we're going to have a system in which sometimes people are going to lose their money if they don't come back to court. There's a difference between that and saying, and if you are poor, we will, we will hold you in jail for that reason. That's where we're unique. What does the data say? This is an important question. I, I buried the lead. If you know, what does the data say in terms of the return rate of those for whom there is no cash or money bail? Well, the data says that it depends how you think about it. So there's two ways to think about it. One is how many people escape the jurisdiction and totally avoid having to having to have a trial in a case. And that is a tiny, tiny, tiny number. On the other hand, you could say how many people don't make their court dates. Um, and that number is going to depend how you think about it. Um, I uh, worked in criminal courts for five years in the Bronx and New York City. Um, and the most common reason that someone wouldn't come back to court was that they couldn't uh, either skip their day at work or evade family responsibilities. And they almost always came at the next court date. So one problem with it, with data is that if you hear, say, somebody say 15 percent of people don't re- return to court, that doesn't mean that people are trying to evade responsibility. It might just mean that they missed an appointment. I don't know. You you had me up until this this moment because I think that's overly kind. If If we have the ability and right to incarcerate you and would have with money bail, now we're saying, OK, we're not going to do that. That's unfair. It discriminates against people who are of a lower socioeconomic. But you got to come back on this day because you stand charged with this crime and they don't. You know, there should be no excuse. Otherwise, you'd but be in what jail. If, what if within two court dates they do? What we have to remember if we're balancing different things is how violent a place jail is. Jail deaths are higher uh, per capita than they ever have been. They're rising in every big city. And if you're in jail, you're un, you're unable to communicate regularly with your attorney, unable to fight your case, and statistics show people are more likely to plead guilty. So we're not just saying you should come back to court. Clearly, people should come back to court. But just because they miss one court date, it doesn't necessarily mean that they should be held in a cage for years. Anything else that you think uh, for this sort of primer on, on cash or, or money bail that we needed to know that you wanted to make sure you shared with the audience? Sure. I just want to emphasize that we're talking about people who have been uh, charged with a crime, but it doesn't mean that they've been convicted of anything. And we're talking not just about needing them, uh, you know, the broader need for people to return to court, but also about holding people in cages uh, where people are dying by suicide more than ever before. And when their family members and uh, their coworkers are unable to see them. And sometimes I think the humanity of the people who are held in jail um, we forget about in the context of a hypothetical uh, risk to society if they're not in jail. How, how far I, I understand now the strong concerns that you have about the way things are today. How far do you take that in terms of? Personally? Yeah, I mean, how far would you go in terms of your, your, your advocacy for reform of current incarceration models? Right. Well, I personally think that it rarely, if ever, makes sense to hold somebody in a cage before there's been an adjudication of guilt or innocence. So I would take 
things much farther than, say, most bail reforms even have. Um, what concerns me is that even small bail reforms, like, for instance, the statistics about Manhattan that you were just uh, reading, are being absolutely blown out, out of proportion with misconceptions, misleading language, and statistics that don't exist. How about after conviction? How about after conviction? I also think that jails and prisons should rarely, if ever, be used. I don't think they serve a purpose. I don't think they keep us safer. Um, And that's a larger debate I would love to have. So fill in the blank for a hypothetical. He's a rapist. He's a murderer, whomever he might be. But it's the most heinous of crimes. Is that person going away if you control the system? If I control the system... Um, my priority is actually the people who have been harmed and their families and figuring out how to support them. Right. My next prior- priority is looking at uh, the, the place that the person came from and making sure supports are in place to prevent things like that from happening in the future. And then absolutely, I would look at that person. I don't think holding them in a cage as punishment makes sense, um, but it might mean that they need help and support uh, in ways that the state should be paying for to make sure that they don't harm somebody again. Well, okay, you got to it. I mean, my highest concern would be for the victim, and my second highest concern would be for the potential victim, and whomever the the perpetrator is is going to be much lower on on that totem pole. Sure. Um, I'd suggest that 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 we don't have to choose between caring for all those people and that caring for someone who has harmed somebody is a way to try to ensure that they don't harm someone in the future. Well, let's continue this when your book comes out. I would love that. Okay. Professor, I really learned things, and I'm appreciative. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Professor Jocelyn Simonson, Radical Acts of Justice, coming in August. She was great. That was very interesting. So interesting. I'm not saying I agreed with everything, but I certainly appreciated learning more about the subject. No, I feel like she was further to the left than you are. You think? But, yes. <laughs> and and as she, she and admittedly, it's I mean fine. she says, it's yeah, fine. that's what I, she said. She I said want to have the dialogue. Correct. Want to have the conversation. But she also uh, aptly laid out cash bail in a way that I don't know if everybody knew what exactly it meant. So now go vote in the survey question. TC, you took the words right out of my mouth. Should cash bail allowing a person arrested to pay money for release before trial, a very simplistic but accurate description, should it be eliminated? This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. So in this conversation on cash or money bail, let's get the perspective of a police officer. Mark, you're in Venice, Florida. Thoughts? Yeah, I uh, retired about five years ago from uh, police force in Canada. After 35 years, they had cash bail there. So I'm not sure what your, your guest is referring to about other countries. And there's a reason that cash bail was used. Uh, often the offender cannot afford the bail. A family member has to put it up. They now take charge of helping to police the offender who's been released because they lose their money if little Johnny goes back to his life of crime. So it actually adds almost like an extra probation officer onto the little felon, which, I mean, 5% of the population commits 90% of the crimes and is often not their first time. So generally speaking, you'd like to have that extra bail officer, and that can be a family member who put up the money. You want the person to come back. I, I don't. I don't like the idea of saying, "Well, they'll come back on their their second uh, court appearance, but not their first. The whole purpose You're, is to in, is to ensure that they're going to return, and the system doesn't have to then run after them and make sure they show up for the second hearing. Well, exactly. Your guest was basically no accountability for anyone. Well, welcome to the society that we're becoming. Like. I could not believe she actually came out and said that, well, if they show up on the second time, you're charged with a criminal offense. Show up in court. Yeah, especially if we're not going to hold you with cash money bail. Peyton, Judge, Lando Lakes, Florida. What What is it that the rest of us need to know about cash or money bail? Well, it's nice to talk to you again, Michael. I enjoy you. your show very much. Uh, for 15 years, I was county judge in a relatively small county, and every day of the year uh, people are entitled to have a first appearance if they're arrested uh, to make sure that there was probable cause. That happens 365 days a year. And uh, at those hearings, the, the law in Florida, which I'm familiar with, not other states or other countries, but the, the law said that the cash bail or using a bondsman to post the cash bail was about the 10th or 11th thing that should be considered. And the priority by law, and this goes back to the 80s, 90s, 2000s, this isn't new, was to the presumption was you should be released on your own recognizance. And uh, then there are other uh, less expensive things than cash bail. The uh, The system, the other you know, people can't all afford the same thing. 
there's a concept that if you're charged with grand theft, let's say, that your bail should be $10,000. Well, you or I could probably pay that $10,000 without a problem, but a lot of people who have very limited income or no income then are stuck in jail. And what it ends up being, if you use the cash bail system, is that poor people stay in jail and people that have some means uh, about themselves are able to get out. And one thing that's not been mentioned in this system, in which uh, uh, I fought for many years and ultimately lost an election because of my stance on uh, bail, was that the judges who did felony court did not want people out of jail because they will plea to their charge instead of fighting it if they're in jail. Hmm. For leverage that gets used against them. That's correct. Anything else that, the, uh, that my uh, guest said that, that you thought you needed to respond to before I, I move to the gentleman who's done some time and wants to weigh in as well? Well, one thing that you mentioned was the article in the Post about uh, uh, picking on the uh, DA in yeah. New York City and how right. all these people are on the streets. Yep. As she pointed out, a uh, majority of people come to court, whether they post bail or whether they're released on recognizance. That's my experience in it. And uh, the politics that eventually led to me uh, losing my third election where that was the issue uh, was all about the fact that I was letting the crooks back out on the street to attack grandma at night uh, in her house. So in other words, in other words, you were on the front line of this debate and it ended up costing you your job because you were perceived as being weak on crime. Absolutely. I was <laughs> there was actually an article in Reader's Digest back in the late 90s where I was listed as one of the ten, the four worst judges in America, even though my uh, the case that dealt with bail that was that involved me went to the Florida Supreme Court and my position prevailed 7-0. Was it, was it a case where you let someone out on bail and they were a recidivist and bad things happened and then you got blamed for it? No, it was a case where I changed the bail that the circuit judge set and said I was the one that, that not just I, but the person who's actually seeing the person at first appearance and talking to them is the one that should set the condition of release not some judge that signs a warrant and has no idea other than that they're charged with a crime. Hang on. My, my, my disabled producer with a hip replacement is, is coming to me now to hand me the computer. Uh, magaz- magazine criticizes Hernando Judge. That would be you, I take it. Yes, sir. Saying he's That's too... Can I, do you mind if I read your name on air? I don't want to put you in an awkward no. position. Okay. No. Saying, no, he's too, saying he's too lenient. Reader's Digest faults Peyton, how do I pronounce your name, Hyslop? Hyslop, yes, sir. Hyslop. In its article, America's Worst Judges, Hernando County Judge Peyton Hyslop has 
been named one of America's worst judges by Reader's Digest, focusing on four judges from across the United States whom the magazine said failed to, quote unquote, measure up. The story appears in the January issue, which has landed in this week's subscribers mailboxes. You're painted as as being too lenient. You shrugged off the criticism, quote, nobody likes to be one of America's worst judges, but everybody's entitled to an opinion. Even Reader's Digest. Wow. Look at you. How dignified I I could never have been so restrained. If it was me referencing two cases in which Hyslop lowered defendants bail after they were arrested. The story touches on the longstanding resentment against. Against him by law enforcement officials who think the judge frequently sets inappropriately low bail. And it goes on from there. Really interesting. Right. Yeah, law enforcement. And, and I'm not picking on them. And, but, you know, they think I arrested him because he's guilty. He should just go ahead and be in jail now. And as was pointed out, you're presumed innocent until you either plea out, which if you're stuck in jail and your family's going to be thrown on the street, you're going to plea. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or until you go to trial and get found guilty, right. and uh, you know that's just sort of well, a, you know that's well, two thank different you. mindsets. Thank you for your contrib- your contribution to the program. I really appreciate uh, hearing your insight. Thank you, sir. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. I want to go to Patrick in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, Patrick, thank you so much for your patience. So we heard from the judge. We heard from the academic. Now I want to hear from you. Tell me first about your experience. Sure. I'm I'm a former prosecutor and lawyer that uh, went bad, and I've done county, state, and federal time. Wow. So um, never having served time, obviously, I was a lawyer for 30 years. So when I first got incarcerated, you know, it, it, uh, I was certainly guilty. No issue about that. No sympathy. Very unsympathetic group, right? But the reality is that most people that you meet in prison are guilty. 
It's just a question of how much time they're going to serve. It's just, you know, we always talk about prosecutors. We can indict a ham sandwich. And I'm not proud of some of the indictments that I had come down 30 years ago. But that's not really the point. I think what it really comes down to is finances, two issues, finances, right? To keep me in prison for years, um, and I, again, I deserve the sentence, so this is not somebody asking for sympathy. It cost so many hundreds of dollars per day per inmate. So now I work for a company, I'm blessed, I have a great job, very grateful, and you know, I stay at Hampton Inns, and Hampton Inns, $200 a night. It costs more to keep me in prison oftentimes than it does to stay at a Hampton Inn. So when you have a young man, I went into county, a young man who was maybe 18, 19 years old came in for selling a, just a minuscule amount of drugs, uh, couldn't afford a $500 bail. Happens a lot, Michael. Some people can't afford $500, just can't afford it. You know, don't understand how to process this. He wound up getting in a fight in prison and then wound up getting a life sentence because he killed somebody. These are real things that happen, right? So from a standpoint of, I don't expect us to feel bad for people who commit crimes. But from a societal standpoint, I think we need to start recognizing that conditions inside prison, just like all of our infrastructure in the United States, is deteriorating at an alarming rate and causing people who, are, who have committed a relatively minor crime to be exposed to true violence inside county. You know, most of the violence doesn't happen in federal prison. Federal prison, you know, if you have two charges, you run to plead to the feds. Because the federal prisons have a standard that is not recognized by states. You know, it's just it's a different standard, different did level you, of care. Did you, know? you get did you get your license back? No, no, Michael, I was I went way darker than that. So that wasn't that was never an option for me. So and, and that, nor you nor should I have. I don't want it, Michael. It comes with a responsibility that I now appreciate that I didn't before. And I think many young lawyers don't appreciate the responsibility you have. And it's really kind of funny. You're you're talking about just talking about the judge a minute ago, I know who he is. I know that judge. He didn't sentence me, but I've been in that county. I know that county. And again, I practiced in Florida for a very long time. I think we need to start looking at this more realistically, though, from a cost standpoint. Like Philadelphia, Michael, where you live, right? Just outside where you live. They're saying, look, we can't afford to stop everybody anymore. We just can't afford this. This is not good. Well, we can't afford to be putting people well, for $500. I- I remember I remember my friend John Timoney, who was the police chief here. He was the number two in New York. He was also the chief in, in Miami. Uh, he was practiced in New Jersey for a while. OK, so, I mean, it was Timoney who would who would tell me at, sometimes over a beer and and sometimes in a more formal interview. He would say to me, we have five thousand people who are in this city and they are committing all the crime. And it's a revolving door of these same 5,000 guys. That's what he would say because they were male. Um, so when one of the 5,000 to Timoney's mindset comes before a judge, what's the judge supposed to do? Knowing that they're, they're going to be a recidivist. Now, I get it. They haven't been convicted of this new crime. But do you let them out on the street in the meantime? That doesn't seem to make sense. Michael, it's like, well, I forget what Supreme Court justice says. I don't know what pornography is, but I know. Potter Stewart. Seen. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, great opinion. And I think we all know now. I'm I'm 65. We all know now when we see bad, we know bad, Michael. And these judges who see it every day, 99% of let judges. Me, let me ask really you a question. When you right. when you go when you go into prison, not jail, but you were in prison and you're a former mm-hmm. prosecutor, you're a former prosecutor right. when you go in. Right. Are you right. are you like regarded as a pedophile in the in the totem pole of prison life? Are you at the bottom or do they look at you and no. say he's a lawyer? He can help me. 
You, you know, it's funny, Michael. I called you for the first time listening for years I, since I got out of prison. I called you for the first time maybe six, eight months ago, and I said, Michael, the way this works is when you go in, you don't lie about anything, and then everybody comes to you and says, okay, what should I be looking for for a sentence? Can you right. help me write my own appeal? Can you help me do this? And you become a, you know, a free conciliary for these people who never had legal advice. So that's what I did. So I was regarded with, with I wouldn't say with esteem, Michael, but I earned my bones in prison and, you know, and people left me alone because right. it, it didn't serve everyone's interest to not be kind to me. And now you're and now help. you're on and now you're on your feet. Yeah, I'm out. I was blessed, Michael. I mean, my wife, my kids, everybody stayed with me. And I just I, you know, I was very, very fortunate. I am very rare, Michael. But I think we need to start looking at these things like we know the 5,000 people. Your Timothy is right, 100 percent. But it's the people who are revolving, the one-time people, the one-time, maybe second time gets involved. Let's get them out. It, it costs us too much money, Michael. And we're putting them in a really violent situations. Oh, really I, I'm, violent. I'm, I'm open to the dialogue. I, I don't disagree with everything that I heard from my professor guest. I'm open to the dialogue because I can't imagine a fate worse in life than the loss of your liberty interest. I can't. There's nothing else out there. I'd, I'd, sooner, be, I'd sooner be sick. Give, give me, God imagine forbid, but, but, you know, give me an ailment. Step on you. Imagine this, though, Michael, not just depriving your freedom, but putting you in a violent, a violent incarceration. Not just right. impact, Look, right. it was completely safe. I get it. Yeah. But, Michael, having been in there in 99% of people, God bless, will never be in. I was. So when you put in a young man, when I see a young man walking in a county, I feel really bad because I know what he's going in for. This is not good. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. But Michael, yeah. who, who has sympathy for that? Uh, very few of us have empathy. Who has sympathy for that? I think no, I'm, 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 a, I'm open. I'm open to the. I got to run, Patrick. Thank you. That was oh, really interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I, I, I'm, I'm open to having the conversation. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on SiriusXM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east, or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.